Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This interview is a shortened version of November's exclusive Patreon episode, our SBW community, where we release bonus monthly podcasts, give away Derby County prizes, produce extra match day content, and loads more. To hear the full 90-minute exclusive with Gary Rowett, you can sign up for as little as £3 a month and help support our podcast over at patreon.com forward slash steve bloomers washing but for now thanks to everyone who's listened to the podcast in 2023 and have a very merry christmas on with the show Our latest guest on SBW for our monthly Patreon special is a man with a very special connection to Derby County, having played for, coached and managed the Rams during multiple spells at the club. He was a defender who was integral to the Rams' rise to the Premier League in 1996 and then later a manager who guided us into the playoffs. He's even popped up on Radio Derby over the years and I believe he still lives in Derby now. So it's fair to say he knows a thing or two about our city and has seen his share of ups and downs. Gary Rowett, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, pleasure to be on. You obviously had a few weeks uh, to reflect, Gary, on on that time at, at Millwall. Um, I guess, you, is there anything you kind of you regret from that period or anything you do have done differently when you look back at, at those four years? Um, not really. I think the biggest not really a regret because it was it was a difficult period for everyone and and um you know but the first season I was there COVID struck in March and we just beat I'm not getting this in because it's a Derby County podcast but we just beat Forest three 0 at the City Ground um and we really looked like there was a good momentum for us we really looked like we were we were gonna we were gonna push forward um 
and then obviously, you know, everyone was without football and, you know, listen, rightly so, it was far more important things at that time. Um, but, you know, it was a while since we came back. I think we actually played Derby on the first game back and it felt like a new season. And we just couldn't, we could, I think we lost that game, we couldn't get that momentum. And then probably the biggest one really was the last game of last season. I hadn't, I probably thought about it more since I finished than when I was actually starting the season because, of course, you have to look ahead. But the Blackburn game was tough. We worked so hard to get, you know, so that the playoffs were in our hands. And, and you know, the playoffs for a team like Millwall or a team like Derby is the same. It, it's different to Derby, I suppose, where a team like Millwall is a bit more of an underdog. Um, you know, if you can get in there like a Luton, anything can happen. You know, when, you wouldn't be conceited enough to say we should be in the top two because of some of the big sides in the division. Um, you know, there's no right to do that. But to get to 30 minutes away and to be free one up and to, 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 for that to slip out of um, our hands, you know, and, and look, everybody was to blame, you know, myself, the players, we all felt the, felt the blame. But it happens in football sometimes and you have to use it to, to make you stronger. But certainly that was a regret. And then, of course, you know, the owner, John, passing away so sadly in the summer made that feel even harder because you know you kind of wanted to you wanted to do that for him really and even more so obviously when he when he wasn't around but um you know think things happen and you know everyone has to move forward and and then uh, but it was a tough time yeah it's a tough time and it was a tough tough to take looking back on that one game but I suppose every club could look at one game couldn't they in recent seasons and say we were so close or you know maybe this that's just football isn't it and yeah We've been looking at, at one game and saying maybe if that happened for, for seven years on this podcast, believe me, Gary, so we're familiar with that. But look, looking at, um, uh, I'm sure, I'm not, I'm not sure how much of an eye you have kept on Derby County in the last couple of years, especially what with Derby being in League One now and not being a, a direct rival. But you mentioned that um, two of your kids are, um, are fanatical Derby County fans. I have read that your uh, eldest son was or is a season ticket holder. Is that still the case? Yeah, no, he's not anymore because obviously he's in London. He's working in London. So um, it's a little bit more difficult for him to do that. Um, and of course, you know, where, wherever club I'm at, you know, he'll often come and support, come and support. But certainly when, um, you know, when I was at Derby and, and beyond, you know, he'd go to Derby games and his mates, like, like most kids, you know, my youngest son, a lot of his mates are Derby fans. They all go to the games. They all talk about it at school. So, you know, look, we've, We've all said it. What makes Derby County such a fantastic club is that, you know, there's only one club in this city and, and um, you know, it's so well supported and there's not many places around like that. So um, I think everyone around, you know, I know a lot of kids support other clubs, but um, there's plenty of Derby fans, isn't there, judging by the attendances. And, and uh, my, my kids have been part of that sort of journey along the way. You mentioned there, Gary, obviously, you, you know, sounds like, you know, Paul Warren uh, quite well. And I think some some Derby fans would probably say there are some similarities between yourself and Paul Warren in, in terms of style of play. Um, you know, relatively pragmatic, quite direct at times. Is is that a fair comparison, do you think? Do you see similarities there? Um, it's, look, I think, look, I think we're both pretty honest. And I think sometimes when you say it how it is, maybe that gets viewed a certain way after a while. Um Difficult one, really. I'd never judge myself. Other people judge you, don't they? When you're a manager, often you get put in a box of sorts. And that's just the way it is, you know, and whether that's right or wrong. You know, I'm not a fan watching, so it's hard for me to to um, to say that it's wrong. But, um, you know, the season, for example, the season we're in the championship, you know, I think we're fourth top scorers. We had the top scorer in the division in Matty Vidra. 
Um, and yeah, and yeah, we got labelled, you know, pragmatic football or whatever. I think we won more games by three goals or more than any other team that season. Um, I I would say we had a good balance. You know, we didn't concede many goals and we we scored plenty. But you know, I get it. You know, I get it when you're a team that maybe sits back and tries to defend leads rather than go and score more goals. You know, but if you win by doing that, it's you know, if we'd have got promoted that that season, I don't think anyone would have complained. But I get that. You know, sometimes, you know, you have a label. I think as a manager, it's difficult to shake that off. It's really hard to shake that off. And I think sometimes, you know, it's easy to jump on top of that and that just becomes a norm. And I don't know if Warney's found that or not, but um, I'm sure we work completely differently. I'm sure we have different ways of viewing the game. And, and like I said, you know, it's difficult for me to to um, to answer that question, really. All I can say is, you know, I, I want to win games of football and I'm sure Paul Warren wants to do exactly the same. Gary, I just wanted to um, ask you about the last couple of years for Derby, really, because you've had a bit of a unique perspective yourself before we get into your your managerial stint in more detail. But um, you basically left Derby as manager because you were told that Derby were cutting costs. More on that later. Um, And then Mel Morris ended up splashing in cash again anyway. And then two years after that, Derby find themselves in administration. Um, I mean, firstly... How did you feel about that as a as a general time for the club? Because, you know, you're close to Derby and your kids support Derby. And secondly, did you ever sense that Derby could be in for that sort of financial trouble when you were there? Um, look, I think, again, I think sometimes, you know, I could come on to, I could come on to this podcast and I could criticise people and I could make myself, you know, sound better than I want to. But the reality is, I actually really enjoyed the time that I wanted to manage the club. You know, I had opportunities before that I hadn't, I hadn't got the job, but I wanted to manage the club. It was always a bit of an aim for me as a player, as a young coach. I managed under-14s, under-18s. So I've been around the club in different aspects. And, um, you know, it was always it was always on my mind. I felt as though I'd managed the club. Um, and I didn't want to leave. You know, I said it before that, that you know, I had an opportunity in the Premier League. Um, and I'll be really honest, it was a hell of a lot more money than I was earning at the time. That wasn't the factor or the motivation. And I actually really enjoyed working with Mel. You know, at that time, there was a lot of innovative things that were happening at the club. There was a lot of things that were ahead of the curve being pushed at the club. Um, and I think there were also a lot of good things. I think it's very easy to, to just look at all the stories and, and, and say this, that and the other. But there was a lot of good things at the club. I think the challenge, and it's one of the reasons why I left, um, is that, you know, it was hard to have the same. This is what I was talking about earlier. It was hard to have the same plan and it was hard to stick with a plan. And it felt a little bit that sometimes in the quest to be successful, and I understand it, you know, from everyone's perspective, it felt like that plan was changing all the time. Um, And that was my biggest issue. You know, we just missed out on the playoffs. Um, I felt we needed to reduce the age of a team. You know, we'd end up having to bring Joe Ledley in because of the Bryson Kifton Belt scenario. Um, I'd gone for experience because I felt the club had missed out and everyone spoke about this February wobble. So I thought, you know what, I'll go and get people that have been promoted before and that won't be an issue. So I brought in um, Tom Huddleston, I brought in Curtis Davis, who were natural leaders that I felt would help us in the dressing room. Um, and so I knew all of those. I knew we had to change that a little bit for the next season. I knew we had to bring more of the younger players into the club. Because um, the academy, I think, have done an absolutely incredible job over a period of time of, of 
you know, producing young talent and, and selling young players. Um, but, you know, that to me needed to be tweaks. We knew we needed to reduce the budget. That wasn't an issue. Um, there needed to be tweaks. And I think sometimes without going into detail, you know, some of those plans were quite extreme in, in, in the sense. And I just felt as though I wasn't the right person to enact those plans. So I was honest. I said, look, I don't think that's for me. You know, I've worked very hard to get my manager career where it is. I wanted to get Derby County in the Premier League, but I didn't think that was possible. And, and therefore I just chose to leave. Whether that was the right decision, whether I regret that decision, whether I should have stayed, it wasn't a lack of loyalty. It wasn't a, you know, I didn't want to be around because I were cutting the budget. You know, it wasn't a case of that. It was, it was a bit more general than that. But what I would say is, you know, I, I found Mel Morris to be, you know, a really, really good person to work with. You know, I had a lot of drinks after games with him um, and there were a lot of good ideas at the time, you know, himself and Steve. So, so um, yeah, look, what happened afterwards, I mean, you could see it, but I don't think it was, compl- I don't mean anyone could necessarily predict it, you know, unless you were the people um, in that situation, but but um it was a great time. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and 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 I sad in some ways that it only lasted that long. Gary, you mentioned uh, just a second ago about uh, Matty Vidra, and that was probably you know one of the big successes of that of that full season, that second season. You were at Derby, uh, scoring twenty one goals in the championship. As Chris, yeah, you know, as you said, looking a little bit out of shape the previous season. What was it? Was there anything in particular you did to turn his fortunes around? Was it just purely giving him confidence, backing him? Uh, how how do you work as a coach of a player like that? Well, you know they've got the talent, but they've been out in the cold. Yeah, it was interesting. I thought I thought long and hard about it, actually. And we had a lot of TV. You know, you might have heard all the stories, but we had a lot of TVs around the corridors at the time. Um, and I felt like the, t- the, the original use for the TVs wasn't the use that I felt would be the best. So um, we started putting things like academy goals so that when the first team you know, see some of the academy players on a Monday morning, they've seen an under eight score a great goal. And it might just help that culture. It might just help that camaraderie a little bit and and, and the way that we felt the club needed to to work. Um, but Vids was an interesting one because, because you know, he didn't have the confidence in himself, but you knew he could score goals. So I made it very simple. It wasn't me that needed the confidence in him. It was the pl- other players that needed to be confident in him. And he needed to feel that love from the other players. Um, so I put all his goals up on the TVs. So for one morning, all his goals went on the TVs. And of course, what happens? Very simple. Scotty Carson says to Vids when he goes in for breakfast, Vids, what a goal you scored against so-and-so. So Vids starts feeling, oh, wow, OK, yeah, you've seen it. Then someone else scores. And then it's, wow, Vids, that was incredible, that was. So all of a sudden, just very, very simply, um, you know, everyone's talking to Vids and everyone's talking about his goals. And <laughs> before you know it, you know, Vids is feeling a, you know, six foot eight um, and, and feels a million dollars. And I didn't have to do an awful lot, but it was just something, it was just a different way of thinking. Um, you know, and from that moment on, I think I tried to play him a little bit wider in one of the games. And I think I brought him on against Forrest at the city ground as a 10. And I think he scored, or I might have started him and he scored a goal. Um, and from there on in, you just saw he had he had that ability that every team wants in the championship, which is just that ability to turn a game in an instant. You know, he, 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 there's no doubt that season one of the strengths was Vids would just score out of nothing. You know, we played. I'm not just using Forest. We played Forest in a a live game, I think, on Sky, and 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 he scored after 30 seconds, and and that was actually a game I think we hadn't done. We hadn't started the season very well. I think we we're under a little bit of pressure, and that kick started us. So. 
So something like that. There was obviously a lot more to it than that. You know, I had sat him down and told him what he needed to do to get in the team, what he needed to do within the system to get in the team. Um, and he was a top lad. He was a top player, top guy. Um, actually had an opportunity to sign him at Millwall and probably should have done. But, you know, at 31, 32, when he's had a few injuries, um, you know, it's difficult. But you just always look and think if you can get that out of the player. So, so yeah, a real a real golden period. And actually, I, I made a mistake towards the end of that season. I don't know if you remember, we played Cardiff in the famous Snowgate game, which Neil Warnock reminds me of every single time I see him because he went and stood on the pitch with no snow on it. It was a bit embarrassing, really, wasn't it? But but anyway, quite funny. And obviously, they went up that season. <laughs> but in the, in, the, in the return game, I, I ended up... Re- I rested vids. I felt it was a game be very, very physical. And I felt they'd kick lumps out of vids. Typical Warnock team. Um, and I brought Vids on and scored. And it and and you just at that time, I think we then played Fulham in the playoffs and I made the mistake really. Certainly in the second leg, I should have played him. I should I look back and I should have played him, but you know, at times he wouldn't press well. At times he would lose, you know, he, he'd be frustrated, he'd miss a chance, and then for the next 20 minutes, you might as well forget about Vids for 20 minutes because he was he'd beat himself up so much. And I made a mistake. I should have just gone for it, really, but you live and learn as a manager and, and um, you know, that's, it is what it is. But, um, you know, he was a great player and that's, that was one of the many things that we sort of did to, to get his confidence back really, you know? So, so yeah, yeah. Fantastic season for him. But in terms of your, you, you kind of touched on your playing spell at Derby is kind of, I think you call it the golden years. Do you rank it as kind of the, the, the highlight of the playing career, those years at Derby County? Yeah. I think if I, if I, if I look at different clubs and different, reasons you know I had a great time at Birmingham I think I I got in the PFA team two years in a row I think I was really in good form there and got me a move to the Premier League with Leicester that was short-lived and then at Charlton um, I'd just been made captain before I got injured and ended up um, retiring at sort of 30 years old really 28 really when I was injured which was very very young um, but at Derby I look back and, and you know I remember coming from Everton I always say it you know people say oh how much were you and I, and, and I think I was um I think that was the equivalent of Craig Short's big toe at the time because I was a part exchange deal. So obviously Everton desperately wanted Shorty and I was like the tiny little pointless mate weight in all of this where I think Jim had just said, well, just let me have a player. Give me any player. Gary Rowett, yeah, he'll do. Um, and I came in that pre-season and, 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 and actually it felt like such a good fit. Um, it felt like such a good fit. I think I was injured early on. Um, against Port Vale, I think in the second game or first game of the season, and then the second game I played, but I was injured. I ended up having, I was out for a little period of time, and then when I came back in, things were completely different. But I look at that first season again, getting promotion. I think twenty games unbeaten. We had that absolutely incredible, um, incredible run, and also the characters in that team at the time. You know, I, I was good mates with Vanders, Powley. You know, different players that we had at the time. Um, that was such good personalities, Gabbers, you know, Marco, um, Ronnie Villams. Um, you know, we had some terrific players, Paul Simpson, um, Dean Yates, you know, some really, really good players at the time. Carzo, um, you know, that was that early period. And to get promoted that season, you know, for me, that's the first time I tasted promotion, um, you know, as a player. And it was fantastic. What a feeling to go through that whole season with, with those players. And then, the subsequent years building in the Premier League, you know, playing with the likes of people forget, playing with the likes of Paul Parker, Paul McGrath. You know, what an experience to play with Paul McGrath. Literally never trained all week. Used to sit on an exercise bike on Friday watching training 
and then you go out on Saturday and do what he did. I mean, you can imagine how good he was when he was actually fully fit. And, you know, I think probably one of the World Cup showed that, didn't he, when he played in midfield for Ireland. But, but um, so that era, you know, for me as a player, you know, probably had the most success. Um, it probably felt the most, um, you know, may, maybe as a player, I probably wasn't the best I could have been at Derby. I think I was a better player at different clubs afterwards. But I think that Derby experience certainly helped me to become that player. I, I always felt like I was not one of the main players. You know, it felt like, even though I'd played, I think I played something like 70, 70, I started something like 70 games out of 76 in the Premier League in those two seasons or something I appeared in. Um, but yeah, I still felt a little bit like I wasn't as valued. And maybe that's because there were better players around than me, you know, the likes of Igor, um, you know, and some of the others. So I think in the end, of course, Jim had to maybe go down the route of more of those players. And of course, that was probably the lack of balance that maybe um, maybe just sort of broke the broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But but that era was brilliant. You know, most of the lads lived on Heverton Village. Most of the lads socialised. I can remember going around Eagles' house with about 10 of us on, um, you know, on like Christmas night or, you know, Christmas Eve or whatever it was, on New Year's Eve, you know. Obviously, we didn't drink. Do you know what I mean? Because we had a game the next day, of course, but um, maybe one or two. Um, but he, to be fair to Eagle, he could drink, he could drink, smoke, and still be the best player the next day. The next day, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> it, was, it was mere mortals that was the uh, was the problem. But but yeah, certainly that period of time as a player, you know, it was a very very special time for me. And and um, yeah, you, you don't forget that. You know, it's it's you know, I'm, I'm like anyone. You look back with fondness at periods of your life. Uh, I got one more patron question now, which uh, you've sort of covered already, but feel free to uh, improvise a bit. It's from uh, Pete Lee. Pete. Yeah, hi, Gary. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, yeah, you, you, as you said, you you were part of the Clay Short Joke. Did you actually have a choice in coming or could you turn down? You know, did you have other options? Were you looking to get out of Everton at the time or? Um, yeah, well, I remember at the time, yeah, th- thanks for the question, Pete. I remember at the time that um, I'd been at loan on Blackpool, at Blackpool the season before for about three months. I'd done quite well and they were trying to sign me. But they were, of course, I think in League, might even have been in League Two at the time. Sam Allardyce was a manager. You know, again, people forget, forget that period. Um, and I'd really enjoyed my time there. But I felt maybe... You know, I could maybe um, go back to Everton and, and, and have a go. And and nothing happened that whole summer. It was a really interesting period because nothing happened. I think I went in for the first day of pre-season. Maybe it used to happen a little bit more like that. First day of pre-season and, and um, Joe Royal took, took, took me up to his office and I'll never forget it. Um, and he said, look, we've had an offer from um, Derby County. Um, and he just said, he said to me, and it was actually probably really helped me in my career, and he's probably right at the time when I look back, he just said, I just don't feel like you've got the eye of the tiger. That's what he said to me. And it's funny because every single game I took the pitch since then, um, I've had that in the back of my head. And it was a huge motivation. I mean, he wouldn't have meant it in that sort of way, but it was a huge motivation and something I've really, really used um, to try and sort of prove myself against. When, yeah, when it came about, look, I didn't, I'd played against Derby, you know, I had no real sort of link to Derby or or no natural pull to Derby. Um, but I just thought it's a good club. It's a big club. I think they'd spent a lot of money. You know, you guys would tell me more than more. But they'd spent a little bit of money in that sort of Arthur Cox era. And this was 
kind of Jim coming in and having to almost go down the route of free transfers. And I don't think there was much expectation really of promotion because that had that had been the previous seasons. Um, so I remember going down. I remember first and foremost, I remember going into the office with my agent, with Jim. Um, and Jim, and, and, and I'm talking pounds at the time, you know, like you, you, it wasn't big money at the time um, compared to nowadays. And I remember Jim chucking me and my agent out of the office and saying, it's his fault, the greedy so-and-so pointing at my agent. I'm thinking, oh my God, what's going on here? Like, I thought I was signing for Derby and now it looks like I'm not. And then classic Jim style, he rang up about, 20 minutes later, got my agent back, probably knocked him down a few quid. I had to take a few quid less, but it was about playing football. And and as soon as I went into the club, you kind of knew there was something going on. There was something special, um, you know, and, and and that obviously built and that momentum built. But a lot of us joined at the same time. Um, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us joined around the same time. A lot of us socialised together with our partners um, I remember, you know, that those were the days on a Saturday night after the game where you go to Rhode Island Diner afterwards and you go and have a few scoops in there and you'd be with the fans and you'd be, you know, everyone would be in there and there'd be a load of players, loads of fans in there and, and they were good times, you know. So, um, yeah, I remember I remember chucking Robbie van der Laan's cowboy boot once in the road there and it got run over. He was, wasn't too happy about it, but... but um, but yeah, so those were great. That was a great period of time, and and um, you know. But I did. I don't think I had loads of options, if I'm being honest. Um, you know. But as soon as it came about, I, you just felt as though you know it was a great history there. It was a good level of championship. I was dropping down from the Premier League, uh, and it seemed an obvious, an obvious choice, and certainly one that I didn't regret. 